To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers Welcome to the Opinionated Benchwarmers Podcast, episode 116. Your Opinionated Benchwarmers are back to discuss what we do best in that sports. Uh, just a couple of things to get out the way. Make sure you, that you are following us on all our social media handles, O underscore Benchwarmers on Twitter and Instagram. And if you are on Facebook heavy, just search Opinionated Benchwarmers. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, just to name a few. And we also on, are on Spotify. And if you're in Baton Rouge, New Orleans, we are also on the radio, 99.1 FM every Thursday, 9, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. as part of the Simply Simone Show. So if you're in the New Orleans and Baton Rouge area, you have an opportunity to check us out for a segment on the radio. And hopefully, you know, for the rest of the markets that listen to us, we'll be there soon. But right now it's just Baton Rouge and New Orleans. So, fellas, the NFL draft has just wrapped up. I'm excited to dissect it analyze it what's up man yeah fun times man you know we've been looking forward to the draft it always feel like it's so far away it has came and it's gone so you know i'm ready to get into it man same here man i really uh enjoyed you know paying attention watching the draft uh it was an interesting one for me honestly uh always investing in what my team is doing but kind of seeing what lsu did as well with having that bias uh, seeing all those players drafted from LSU too, man. It was just a, it was a fun draft overall. All the movement and the trades, and it was just entertaining. So I'm not gonna delay it anymore. We can go ahead and get into it, man. Well, I'm gonna delay it because before we get to the draft, uh, I just must, I, I got to get this energy off and get this off my chest before we get into it, man. Here we go, <laughs> man. Come on, man. Y'all have some interest in this as well. As a Laker fan, it's reported that former head coach Phil Jackson is going to be an official advisor to us finding our next head coach. We saw what he did in New York as the president and running these operation, basketball operations just because he clearly proved just because you're a legendary head coach doesn't mean you know a thing about putting together a team or a thing about putting together personnel. I just don't understand as a Los Angeles Lakers fan, why do they keep putting us through this? It's just like the ultimate high and low. We won the championship in 2020. And then we just have the, we just been on this like historic slippery slope to the bottom of the barrel in this, you know, due to injuries, but this past GM LeBron, you know, LeBron GM experiment that didn't go well. And for you to report to me that you, I don't know where to begin. I mean, we hired Magic Johnson as a GM who clearly didn't know what he was doing. 
Like, why do we feel like we have to continuously bring in Laker legends to supposedly be a part of what we're doing going forward? Clearly, Jeannie Buss as an owner, I'm ready to say it now. Clearly, she doesn't know what she's doing. She has to hire the people to put in place. But let Rob Polinka do his job. Like, it's just getting irritating. I don't I don't understand why we have to have all these advisors. Every other team in the industry is hiring their coach and it's based on uh, the GM who they feel it should be the guy. Like, I, I'm, I'm just becoming annoyed with us as a franchise and, and just who we've been for the past three or four years, just because they gave us a championship in 2020. Like, it's just anything we've done after that season has just been I, – I've just been annoyed. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel your your annoyance, and I I, I kind of I'm leaning. I, if you want to call it, I'm I'm straddling the fence here with the decision, right? Because I look at it, and I'm like, there's too many chiefs in the Lakers organization, right? There's too many people that's trying to make decisions from Kurt Rambis, from uh, you know, we talk about um, our GM now, Rob Palinka. You know, and then you think about Jeannie Buss. You, you talk about all this, you know, you think about all these Chiefs, then you talk about bringing in the Phil Jackson. You have too many Chiefs in the pot. You know, somebody, obviously, I know she's making the calls, but you're bringing in too many, you know. And so then I look at it on the other side, right? Then if the Lakers are bringing him in for his connections, you know, because, again, maybe Rob Plinka don't have the connections to reach out and have the type of pull that Phil Jackson has, then, okay, I get it from that standpoint. Because we talk about a guy like, nurse over with toronto who was a disciple of phil jackson who looks up to phil jackson who been to his camps and things x y and z there's connections there if he can he's able to just come in kind of like a magic johnson and pull in lebron james and you know this will be phil jackson bringing in his lebron james and a nick nurse and being the head coach then i get it you know what i'm saying then i get it if you're doing that just to be able to pull your guy in because maybe rock lincoln doesn't have that connection with Nick Nurse or coaches and, you know, X, Y, and Z, then, okay, I get it. Then you look at the stop, like you mentioned, Rob, him with New York, and he just was terrible. You would hope that, you know, maybe he learned from that situation, <laughs> that he's not going to come in and be as terrible as he was with New York, and that he can come in and at least, you know, do better and learn from his mistakes with that situation beforehand. You know, because, I mean, I don't even – it doesn't even feel like – we didn't hire him or anything. He's just kind of like – He's coming in and, like, I guess using his connections. And so it's just a weird situation. I'll just say let's see how it play out. If he's able to pull in a good coach like a Nick Nurse, then I'll say, you know what, I get it. He did it for his connections. But if we're able to – if we're in the same situation where it's a garbage coach or a coach that, you know, just kind of being a puppet, you know what I'm saying, because we kind of felt a long time with our current coach that just got fired – well, again, I can think of the name of right Frank now. Vogel. <laughs> Frank Vogel. Thank you, Ramon. You be on top of it. <laughs> if we bring like a, a Frank Vogel in, who we felt for a long time was just a puppet in the situation. You know, there's times when you watch that huddle and, you know, LeBron James wasn't really tuned in. Like the stars weren't really tuned in. He was just kind of talking to the younger guys. You know, it just kind of felt like, you know, he didn't really have that respect of the locker room. Nobody looks at that championship 2020 and say, Hey, that was because of Frank Vogel. He never really got his credit. So whoever's coming in going to have to realize that, Hey, this is a tough position and sometimes you won't get credit. So it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. Yeah. I, I guess on this, man, to be honest, I do agree with you on it, uh, Rob, with the point that 
to me, when you're doing this and you're going outside of the scope, it just shows that really you aren't competent within the organization. If you got to constantly go outside of the organization and get these people, even though they are former Lakers and they're tied to everything. Uh, but when you got to constantly have those guys come onto the scene, then to me, you're expressing that you aren't really competent to be able to handle a search. Now, honestly, as it relates to the Lakers at this point, what they're going to have to realize in this search is you're going to have to commit to a guy. What cost the Lakers in the last coaching search? And don't get me wrong. I appreciate what Frank Vogel was able to do from a defensive standpoint, even with that team. I know you just mentioned about him not getting the credit. I do think that he did a, a, a solid job. I don't think that he was the best candidate that cycle. I think he did a solid job. But the thing about it, you have to settle for Frank Vogel because you were so focused on this LeBron window and this AD window to say, hey, you know what? We're only offering a three-year deal. You're not getting a good head coach if you're going to say, I'm going to limit the amount of years that you're going to have. You're going to have to come around this coaching search and say, I'm going to actually invest in a guy. I'm going to give a five-year deal, and we're going to look at this guy being a part of the LeBron run and the years after LeBron. That's the only way you're going to get a top-tier candidate. So I think that you're wasting your time spending your wheels, even bringing Phil Jackson in and seeing what he can do if you don't change your philosophy of what you're going to offer the next guy as far as the head coach. So I think that, honestly, philosophy and strategy has to change. If that doesn't change, we're going to waste our time with Phil Jackson even being in the discussion. Yeah, I think those are all excellent points. And I think we're all aggravated. Um, I just want some stability in the organization. You know, um, I think we were on a good trajectory. Uh, Brandon Ingram, Jordan Clark, Clarkson, former six, last year's sixth man of the year. Um, just to name a few. Lonzo Ball's emergence, if you can get over the injury bug. You know, we've had ultimate talent, but we just have to commit. I'll be gonna. And I think all of that was blown up when we got LeBron, because, of course, LeBron want to win now, which is, you know, that's that's good in his position. I want to win now, too. But I think we kind of lost our plan and what we're going to do as far as an organization once LeBron got here. But now it's time. We, we clearly see LeBron cannot can no longer win it on his own. He's going to need a team around him. And it's time for us to set a plan and, and to stick to it. Um, so I just want to, as a fan, I want to see stability as an organization. Like you say, Ramon, commit to a coach, commit to a plan, uh, commit to the players, and let's do this. Like, no more of this trying to give what LeBron wants. You know, like, we, of course, we're going to surround him with talent, but, like, man, we got to do what's best for the organization, not just one player. Yeah, I, just right quick on that, though. I feel like you – I still ultimately feel like you have to be twofold, and I say it from this regard. Honestly, organization does come first, but you still do have to – cater to your stars in a sense that's how you continue to get stars over time is when you have that involvement and when future stars can see that my voice is going to matter i think that the biggest thing and the biggest issue is that we've been trying to find this way that we can play both we've been trying to play the short game with lebron and try to figure out a way that we can play the long term we don't know this situation with lebron is indefinite we don't know how many years we don't know that we know how many years contractually he has 
but you never know when your time is going to end and run out. So I think that they're trying to do too much of trying to balance both. And it's causing the sink to shift because it's like, let's go all chips in right now to compete. But we're going to make sure, too, that we make sure all the contracts are off the book at the same time. So then we dive into free agency and we can get several guys. No, you just got to play it out. Surround these the talent that you have right now with solid role pieces. And as that talent, then, you know, your top guys end up leaving LeBron or whatever. Then you're able to bring the stars in. But stop trying to create it to where the cap and all the books will completely be gone once those guys exit out. So it's just a it's kind of a little bit of a mess right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to get off my soapbox. I didn't mean it to go that deep into it, but I just had to when I saw that report, I just had to get into some like a talk here. But as you mentioned, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, a lot of lives were changed this past weekend. The NFL 2022 draft took place and we had a lot of shockers. Um, as expected, quarterbacks went very late. Uh, that's the latest I've ever seen the first quarterback go. I don't think I've ever seen that happen before. Um, but here we are. Like We're going to talk about it. Uh, I think the first – I mean, we had Trayvon Walker at the top of our mock draft. No surprise there. I think the surprise happened with Derek Stingley, LSU Tiger, going number three. I, I said it. I got outvoted. But, yeah, Derek Stingley went the third pick to the Texans, man. But, I, I mean, I want to say that I, I, I believe that he would go that early. Uh, but, I mean, I think it was a shock for the rest of the football world. Uh, man, Derek Stingley going number three to Houston, Texas as a cornerback. It just shows how talented he is. Um, I was, you know, talking with a, with a guy, and I was just letting him know. He didn't know who Derek Stingley was. I was like, basically, this guy got picked number three. Basically, the last two seasons in a college uniform were a wash, being that he opted out in 2020. His past season, he was injured. Basically, the first season as a freshman and just the hype of him going into LSU, that's what got him to number three. And, of course, the Pro Bowl just sealed the deal. Well, quickly, I just want to clear up right quick. In 2020, he was hurt as well. So he did he did opt to play that season, but injuries got him early off in that yeah. year, too. Yeah, so ho- hopefully they injured bug and got out of the way. Yeah, no, I mean, we did have a deep conversation about that. I think even I even challenged Ramon. I was like, top 10? Wow, I don't even have him going top 10, you know, because of those all the things we mentioned, those injuries. But I think that thing that sealed it for Derek Stingley was his clean bill of health at his pro day and him running that 4-3-7 at his pro day, showing that, hey, he is available. And the practice film. They showed a bunch of practice film of him going up against Justin Jefferson, him going up against Jamar Chase. That sold a lot of people because, again, he was right there with those guys. And those guys, we see how those guys tore up the league the last two years. So when you have that and then you have your freshman film look as good as it does and you have a good pro day, you know, you take that risk with a guy at top three. You don't want to miss on a guy like that. Again, I thought the injury bug, the injuries and all that stuff was going to push him down the board, have we seen with a lot of players. But, again, all it takes is one team to believe in, in the Texas. And uh, uh, Lovey, Lovey Smith, he obviously believe in him and his scheme, and I'm interested to see how he's doing, Houston. Yeah, no, I think that uh, ultimately, like y'all said and already alluded to, that 2019 film, it just really stuck out to people. You know, honestly, people said if he – if he were able, obviously he wasn't, to come out after his freshman year, he was going to be a top five pick that draft. 
Um, and so, you know, it, it, we know what Derek Stingley can do. Uh, we know that once, you know, first of all, he can be a lockdown, shutdown corner, can shut down the side of the field, but he's also a ball hawk as well. So it's like you get the combination, honestly, of the coverage skills. You get the combination of him being able to get his head around consistently. You get the, you know, the fluid motion and all that kind of stuff. But you also get a guy that's a ball hawk. So he's going to force turnovers, all that kind of stuff, even if you want to. Not saying that they necessarily going to do it, but you can use him in the return game. Like he's just a versatile athlete, uh, probably, in my opinion, honestly, the best pure athlete uh in this draft and so uh i think that it was warranted uh i was excited to see him go ahead and go top five go top three and dbu continues to live on uh with of course that statistic that came out that since 2007 lsu has had five dbs go top six and you know how many people how many have gone total top six in all the other programs combined also five so the discussion for DBU, that is over with. LSU is DBU, and Stingley just continues that. Yeah, it just go, also proves that uh, talent trumps everything. I mean, he's clearly the most talented. Uh, I think the Texans have a lot of issues on that team <laughs> and a lot of <laughs> a lot of positions that they could fill. But, I mean, when you got a guy as talented as Stingley, you definitely got to take the best available. Um, then we move on to the Jets with their fourth pick, which was shocking to me. I was actually hanging out with a Jets fan during the draft. So it was very interesting. He was very upset that they took Ahmad Gardner <laughs> with that fourth pick, Sauce Gardner, which was going into the draft, the number one corner in this draft. Stingley just rose up the charts in the final days, which can happen. But I think they really, I think they really could have went Kayvon there, Kayvon Thibodeau. I just feel like they have a lot of holes to fill. And I feel like, I mean, you can't go wrong with taking the most talented defensive end that's left on the board. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. But honestly, it still worked out to, for them when you pay attention to their total draft. And I know later we'll probably get into some winners or so. But them still being able to get that value of Jermaine Johnson that late in the first round. Like when you got a, a guy in sauce, I'm going to get back to sauce right quickly, that can shut down a side of the field. A guy that did not, as we talked about last podcast, did not allow a touchdown on him in his college career. Like, this is not a guy that played one season and got hurt. He played three seasons. In those three seasons, he did not allow a single touchdown against him. He is a lockdown, shutdown corner. And I think that, honestly, his value was warranted as a top five guy. If you look at the where this league is right now, you got to have that pass rush. And you have to have those corners. You got to have that secondary be built out. And so I think that it's a premium on really both of those positions. And we could get a guy in sauce that that can lock down the side of the field. I think that it was a good pick, honestly, for him, man. Yeah, I think they're going back to them Darrell Reeves days, thinking they got their Darrell Reeves. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see if they do, man. I, I, I think I just look at it. You know, and again, we're going to get into losers, winners, and all that stuff. I really like what the Jets did. I really like what the Jets did. And again, Sauce, man, he does not lack confidence, bro. And at the cornerback position, if you get a guy like Sauce that is confident, we've seen the chain. How you have a chain that has a bottle top on it, man? Like, I've never seen a chain like that. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? This dude's just confident. And I, you want that. You know, you think about all the top cornerbacks or that came through the league. 
They had confidence. They had a name. Like we talk about Revis Islands. We talk about Sherman, Richard Sherman. You know what I'm saying? We talk about Jalen Ramsey. We talk about all these guys. We talk about, you know what I'm saying? Who, who's the Saints cornerback? I can't think of his name right now. That's disrespectful. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But we talk about those guys. The first thing you think about is confident in that position. So I actually think when they got that him at four and they told him, hey, you know, this has been a talk. We want if you there for we taking you. You know, I think even if Derek Stingley was on the board, they was taking him because they believed in him. And I think he fits the New York. You know, the, yeah. the whole New York feel, the everything, bro. I like the pick, man. I like it a lot. Uh, man, I think, I don't know, man. I, I think, I mean, I, if I was them at the top consultant with the Jets fan, they would have rather take Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, or, you know, get an Evan Neal, you know, to protect Gary Wilson. So I, I, I saw that side. I see y'all side and I see their side. Uh, let, let's let's kind of move on there. Um uh, another pick that I really liked, um, on, and even though they're my favorite team's division rival, was uh, Drake London to the Falcons. I thought that was pretty huge, uh, you know, especially with the news of their guy. Uh, what's the name? From Bama? Oh, you talking about Calvin Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Calvin Really, especially with the announcement that he'll be out next season. I mean, you got Drake London, a big receiver to tag along with Pitts. I think that was huge for them. I think that's a good weapon to, to add on. Yeah, I agree as well, and I know that uh, that's Los's guy right there. He was he he leading the the, the Drake London bandwagon, man. I know that's his yeah. guy, so yeah, I'm gonna give him the space. Yeah, the yard, bro. yeah, yeah, yeah I'm gonna give him the space. I'm not gonna even take the Drake London space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, yeah, no, no. So, yeah we talked about it last week. We put out our top five receivers. You can find that at at o underscore bench warmers. There we have that graphic on our Instagram, but. Yeah, and he was my number one guy. And I think he was my number one guy from the start of the year. He obviously got injured, and he put up the numbers. He's a big body, 6'5", 215-plus guy, right? You know, he gives them a big target there. We know what's going on with Calvin Ridley, and he's going to be the number one guy even if Calvin Ridley comes back. And so you look at that situation, and then you got Ritter there as another quarterback, somebody that they can grow with. You know, we talk about Matt Ryan, Julio Jones time frame. I know Marcus Mariota is kind of there as that Burish quarterback, but I like him as a guy that kind of lead that team in targets this year. Then you got Kyle Pitts there. You got two basketball players over there, two big guys <laughs> that can really, saying. really, really put up numbers that can really catch and run with the ball or be red zone targets. So again, it's going to be fun. I like Drake London. He's another confident guy. He's another guy from USC that put up numbers before he got hurt. And again, the injuries has just been only knock on him. Yeah. And, and just really quick, have y'all ever seen his 540 dunk? Did y'all see that in the dunk? I, I did see that. I did see yeah. that. Oh my goodness. Dude is a freakish athlete, man. He's a freakish athlete, bro. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I hate that Atlanta had that much glory in the draft. I never want to see that. Um, before we get to our winners and losers, a couple more interesting things happened. We did have the Tennessee Titans make a trade. Um, and for them to get Traylon Burks, that was huge. Um, and then they sent A.J. Brown away to the Eagles. Of course, the Eagles been trade willing Dylan, man. I, huh, you know, they've been willing and Dylan. Uh, I think they, they're, they're a real – <laughs> they're a real, uh, I guess, nominee for uh, offseason of the year because they've been making some moves. But, you know, I think that it was interesting for the Titans to trade away A.J. Brown. They knew they couldn't pay him what he wanted to get. Uh, but to get a trailing Burgess in return in the draft, I thought that was huge for them because 
I mean, we know that A.J. Brown is ultra-talented. I'm not comparing Traylon Burks to him, but at the same time, to get a talented guy like Traylon Burks in return, that was huge. Yeah. No, I agree 100%. I mean, they honestly got A.J. Brown light. <laughs> like, it's literally, if you're looking at probably draft comps, that may be the guy that you comp, you know, uh, Traylon Burks the closest to. Now, I don't believe that he's specifically A.J. Brown, but he's a heck of a talent. You get a guy now being on that rookie deal, uh, he has a time, a chance to come in there really and excel and, you know, potentially be the guy from day one. I know that he's competing with Robert Woods for some targets there, but we know Robert Woods, uh, of course, has been recovering from that ACL. And then Robert Woods is also getting a little bit older now. Uh, so, man, that was a heck of a landing spot for Traylon Burks, but it was a heck of a, you know, kind of reset for them. If you felt that you couldn't pay A.J. Brown and you couldn't get to that point. Uh, now, I don't know if y'all saw the way that Mike Brable looked when it got to that pick and they showed him in the draft room and the look that he had on his face. He did not look happy about A.J. Brown getting dealt. But when it comes to that point and you can't get to a mutual agreement, you got to do what you can, get what you can. And now you've reset and got, you know, a rookie that can be a great pick, you know, a great receiver for you on that rookie deal. Yeah, I mean, I look at it as perfect, bro. It's like, again, that rookie deal is the biggest thing. And it, I know it's, it comes down to a few million dollars. They couldn't get to that $100 million that he got with the Eagles, that four-year $100 million. So, you know, again, you can – the biggest thing is not losing a guy for nothing. And they didn't lose the guy for nothing. They actually got – a good replacement, a good young stud, a guy that was productive in college. And again, a lot of the, the major scouts did compare him to A.J. Brown. But you ask me, I think he's a little bit better than A.J. Brown with the ball after the catch. You know, I would say that. I would say he's a little bit better in that in that aspect you know, because, again, he his, his yak was crazy in college, you know. So it'll be good to see or it'll be interesting to see how he translate over into this Tennessee Titan offense that's run heavy. But again, he better get ready to block because we know who that offense run through. Yeah, we definitely do. King Henry. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, now that we didn't kind of, that was kind of the most interesting points, I think, uh, interesting storylines of the draft overall. But let, let, man, let's get into some winners and losers, man. Uh, we can start off with the winners if y'all want to. Uh, I, I think there was a bunch of winners, actually. So I think that we have, probably all have three different answers. Maybe not. But, um, I mean, let's start it off. Whoever want to start it off, let's go. I, I'll start. I'll start. I'll say I'll go with the Saints. The Saints is oh, my Why winners. would you do that? <laughs> you I'm just that? messing oh, with you, bro. I'm not messing geez, with you. Geez, <laughs> you know, he just itching, ready to talk about the Saints. Over. I'm messing with you, bro. I'm messing with you. I know it I'm, wouldn't be any topic that you want to rush to talk about the Saints. <laughs> no, I really do like first it. You, like, first, you yeah. jumped me in the in our NFL dynasty draft. Now you want to take the Saints topic, bro. No, I, don't know. I, I thought we were friends. <laughs> no, bro, I, I was messing with you. I knew that was yours. I knew it. I knew it. I, anybody can go first. I was like, cool, I'll take the Saints. <laughs> anybody. Anyway, I, I'll go with the Jets, man. We talked about them a little bit. I love what the Jets did. Not only the first round, you get three, probably on a lot of people's board, top 10 guys, right? You get Sauce Gardner, you get Garrett Wilson, and then you get Jermaine Johnson. Again, we did a bingo draft, and I don't know how I left Jermaine Johnson off my bingo card. Like, I don't even know how he fell off my bingo card. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But hey, who won that, by the way? 
We all tied because Malik Willis, <laughs> Malik Willis fell, and everybody yeah. caught up, and then Malik Willis got drafted. I was like, bro. So y'all tied? Yeah, yeah we, we all got our money back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so then you look at that, right? You got three top ten pick, top ten picks with Jermaine Johnson obviously falling into the twenty, and then you start off the second round and you get a Brees Hall. So you really get uh, on a lot of people, a lot of expert experts, draft boys. You get. Four top 25 players, four top 25 players that's going to pretty much shift the the culture of your franchise, right? You get these guys. These are guys that are supposed to come in, depending on how they develop and all that, right? Gary Wilson was, again, look at it. Gary Wilson was probably the number one receiver on a lot of people's boards. I know Drake London went first. Then you look at Sauce Gardner was a number one corner on a lot of people's boards. You know, I know Derek Stingley went first. Then you look at Jermaine Johnson. He was probably top two or top three pass rusher on a lot of people's board. Then you look at Brees Hall. He was absolutely the number one running back on people's board. So you, I don't see how you beat that draft when you really go in and you get those guys at those critical positions to really shape your franchise. Again, it's going to depend on their development and how things go. And Zach Wilson is going to tell a lot with this team. But, again, they again they won the draft <laughs> hands down yeah no definitely i would say uh of course you already mentioned how the jets knocked it out of the park uh to follow it up i would go ahead and say man the eagles have to be a winner from this draft uh when you can go out and get a guy within the course of the draft like aj brown i think you have to still consider that because uh, that was a trade that transpired during the draft uh so you can go and get a guy like aj brown and try to rewrite that wrong that happened a couple of years ago with taking uh Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson uh so you write it that but also too some of the talent that you got from a defensive perspective you got Jordan Davis who as a D tackle is just a freak athlete a guy that's 6'6 340 but running a 478 like that's that's just kind of a scary sight right there to even just think about and so you go and you grab him you also get to me what can turn into the steal of the draft uh, if all of his medicals end up checking out with Nicobe Dean falling, you know, into the third round with him at the number 83 overall pick, uh, you shore up uh, that offensive line some with what you did from a center standpoint uh, with getting Cam Jurgens. Um, and to me, just all the other picks were just kind of solid picks. But when I look at Jordan Davis, Cam Jurgens, Nicobe Dean, and the fact that you were able to trade for AJ Brown, that is to me a win for the Eagles. You show up that defense. You help to continue to build that O-line to protect your guy, Jalen Hurts. You get him another target and another weapon that happens to be one of his best friends in the league. Um, I think that you have to look at the Eagles as a winner. Yeah, I mean, I, kind of, I guess Los kind of stole my thunder. Uh, but I think the winner was the Saints. Uh, I think there, like I said, there's multiple winners in the draft. I don't think there was an ultimate winner, but you guys had some great winners uh, on the board. And I think the Saints were in, in that winner's group to get Chris uh, uh, Olave uh, as a wide receiver. It was uh, it was huge for us. I mean, I, I said it. I've said it multiple times going into the draft that we really needed somebody that could compliment Michael Thomas and Chris Olave. You got a guy that can stretch the field and you got a guy that can compliment MT in a bunch of ways. And um, you got a second guy, and then you got James Winston who can get them the ball and uh, who can throw more than 30 yards. 
Uh, no shade to, to Drew Brees. I mean, he is a Hall of Famer. He, he's going to be in there. We thank him for what he did. For That's pretty shady, bro. That's what I'm saying. No shade as you say them. Hey, <laughs> yeah, man, I'm only, I'm only here to speak the truth, man. That's why That's why they love listening to us, because we talk the truth. You know, I love Drew Brees like the Knicks, man. But we know in the last two, three years, he wasn't who he used to be. Um but I think it, it was it was huge to do that. And and I mean, if you if you remember in the draft, we traded up to get him. So once Garrett Wilson went off the board and we knew Drake, Drake London was off the board, we was like, OK, let's go ahead and get our guy. And I think that if we wouldn't have done that, I think that we, he would have been off the board. So that was huge. And then with our second pick, like I speculated as well, we got Trevor Penning, who was the third rated tackle on the board and to replace uh who would, who would face uh, Tehran, so who we lost to the Dolphins. So I, I think it was huge, and it, and it was a big deal uh, for us to do that. Um, we also was able to sign Tyron Matthew uh, recently. I know this ain't part of the draft, but it's part of the draft because I, I justify by saying we didn't get a safety in the draft. And not only that, we was able to uh, we was able to sign a big, big-time guy. So I think that that was huge. So – I think the Saints really won. I think we're winning in the offseason, like I said before. I think we're in the running for one of the best franchises uh, to have the best offseason of the year. If I was to do a close second, I'm going to give a runner-up because I am a Saints fan. I would say the Steelers, man, they had a very sneaky draft to get Kenny Pickett, who's rated maybe the number one quarterback in the draft, and to get George Pickens, which we know – what they can do with 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 wide receivers, I think that was huge for them too. Yeah, uh, two just quick ones that I would like to throw out as well too. I think we got to look at what the Giants did, especially in that those top ten picks. We're getting Kayvon Thibodeau, oh yeah, getting Evan Neal, absolutely. That arguably could have been two number one picks. Like it, no one would have tripped too much if either one of those guys went number one overall. You helped to show up that defensive line, but also to help with that old line. Um, I'm happy as a Saquon owner uh, in fantasy football that they're <laughs> showing up that old line and didn't also draft a running back in this draft. I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, but also, too, I think that the Baltimore Ravens had a heck of a draft as well, too, uh, with some of the movement that they were able to make. And then going and getting a guy like Kyle Hamilton, who was a heck of a prospect at that safety position. Uh, I like what they did along the line. I like them getting uh, Tyler Linderbaum. I like them getting, honestly, uh, David Ojabo from Michigan, who really honestly fell for injury concerns. Of course, he got hurt towards the end of that season, and that changed where he would have gone draft-wise. Otherwise, he would have been a surefire first-round pick. Um, and they had a, just a relatively good draft overall. So I think those are a couple of other teams that, that did solid. Yeah, and to add on to my uh, runner-up information, the Steelers were able to get Calvin Austin out of Memphis, who's a uh, – I think he's a slept-on receiver, speedy guy. Um, I mean, the Steelers, man, we got to stop letting them get these these weapons, man. I'm, I'm tired of them being able to replenish their wide receiver weapons, bro. Yeah, they consistently do that. Consistently do that. So what are we doing with these losers, man? Y'all ready to get into some losers here? Uh, is there any real losers? Uh, yeah. I mean, oh, here you I, go. I think the, I it's think always right like, guy. Every, everyone wins. You're the type. We never right. know until two, three years after the draft. Man, get out of here. I, here. I would, I would say probably the apparent one, the ones that people were really talking about the most was uh, what the Patriots were doing. Uh, people were kind of <laughs> scratching strength. their head. Your head strength. coach, Los, your head, yeah. your head coach had the, the famous clip of the draft. Yeah. I, 
saying that basically y'all were looking for him basically in the third and that y'all didn't realize pretty much that y'all were kind of wasting y'all time seeing him going that high in the draft. Like he was anticipated to be a third or fourth round type of pick. And the Patriots yeah. took him in the first round. I mean, from that standpoint, I'll still look at the Patriots. I mean, GM Bill Belichick is it's just kind of a head scratcher sometimes. You know, it's like, what are you kind of what are you doing with that team? But another a team I'll say as far as losers, you know, I will say the Chicago Bears, man. Like, what are they doing with Justin Fields, man? Like, are they, you know, you look at a team like the Jets who are building a team actually around him that's giving him weapons and you know, that's you know, all these all these good receivers in this draft all these top good receivers in this draft, you feel like they would have at least gotten one of those guys. It's just, it's just really frustrating because you, I feel like they're setting up Justin Fields for failure. You know, he's still going in with, you know, obviously Dar- Darnell Mooney being his top guy, you know, which is not a bad move, you know, um, has him being your top guy, but then you still, he needs somebody there to help him out. You know, so he you needs like my guy, Byron Pringle. Uh I mean, Brian I'm just, I'm just messing with you, bro. He, I don't mean okay. you to try to analyze this. Hey, he's okay. He's already dealing with trouble this yeah. offseason. We saw that. So, but I mean, again, it's just, again, you would like to see more being done for Justin Fields. And it just didn't feel like they did enough for him in this draft. I agree. I agree 100%. Yeah. I mean, he kind of took my loser. I was going to, I was going to go ahead and, I was going to go ahead and say, uh, the cheat, the, the, the Patriots there, man. I, I, you know, I, I didn't understand that first round pick. Uh, it was a lot of talent still on the board for them to go after it and do that. Uh, but, I mean, we'll see. Let me ask y'all just this one thing. Do y'all feel that Green Bay waited too long for a receiver? Or do y'all or y'all believe it's in Christian Watson? I'm a, a cold hard believer in Christian Watson. Okay. <laughs> yeah, me too. I think I like I think. Christian Watson a lot. <laughs> uh, kind of interesting. I'm trying to see if you're just trying to set people up for our fantasy draft, or if this is something that you. <laughs> Yeah, you never know what low is. Yeah, I got two top eight picks, man. I got two top eight picks. Number two and number eight. He is not taking Christian Williams with eight picks. I mean, who knows who falls with Christian Watson at that eight spot? Who knows? You know, get out of here. He's not gonna do that. He's crazy. He's not gonna do that. Um, But that's about it. I think that's my losers. Uh, You you got any loser, Ramon? Like any blaring loser you thought? Oh, yeah, I said the Patriots already. Okay, so we all on, collectively say my the, Oh, so we all collectively believe in that the Patriots lost. Okay. Patriots and the Patriots Bears. Patriots and the Bears. Yeah, and the Bears, okay. Um, okay, I'm with that. I'm with that. I like what the Seahawks did, man. They, Kenneth Walker going to the Seahawks is kind of shocking to me. But it just lets you know what they believe in their running back room because they they – Chris Carson is off for injury. And um, I mean, you know, they, you know, then they re-signed Rashad Penny. So it just says what they say about their running back room. Yeah, I mean, with the Kenneth Walker situation, I mean, I, I honestly I, I get it. You know, I, I understand why they made the move. Like you talked about some of the injury history with Chris Carson, Rashad Penny. Um, I don't believe that it, it's a situation where they just don't necessarily believe 100 in those guys but i mean chris carson we don't know if he's going to come back they talk about that neck issue doesn't look promising with rashad penny he closed the season really well like he showed what he could do 
But once again, you know, kind of back and forth with injury concerns. And so to me, you go and get Kenneth Walker, a stable force back there, a guy who was able to be a workhorse, you know, at Michigan State, finishing up this past year, winning a dope Walker Award. Uh, arguably, you know, between he and Brees Hall, I do think Brees Hall is the number one running back, but Kenneth Walker easily the number two running back. And so um, I thought it was an interesting move, but I, I can 100% uh, see, you know, why they made that move. And um, I think that ultimately Kenneth Walker will see some split time between he and Rashad Penny for some time. And then we'll just kind of have to see how it goes, honestly, after this season. Yeah, I mean, 100%. You know, you could see, uh, I mean, like we said, I mean, we all agree collectively talent trumps everything. So when you have a chance to get a, a talented runner like Kenneth Walker, who is debatably one of the best running backs in this college class, I mean, you got to go get him. And I think the Seahawks, they pride themselves in being able to run the ball. And they have to ultimately figure out their quarterback situation. Uh, I think at this point, I think uh, – I really feel like uh, – I think Baker Mayfield is trying to po- uh, really push his way to Seattle, uh, you know, in his recent interviews, saying he would be a fit there. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. They have to figure out the quarterback issue and situation. Uh, I'm not particularly keen on what the options they have there now. but. Yeah, to get a guy like Kenneth Walker, you got to take him. Uh, running backs, if you have a chance to get a running back that's good, you got to take him. So um, just kind of getting into uh, – we're going to wrap up, but uh, I just kind of want to – what I thought was interesting was this. We're all adamant fantasy football players, uh, dynasty. Uh, that's how you know we're, we're, we're really into it. If, you, if you're doing – if you graduated into dynasty, yeah, you, 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 you're a fantasy guy. <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, so I just kind of wanted to get into some great landing spots. Um, maybe give a, a maybe a one or two guys uh, max that you felt like was a good landing spot uh, that would be relevant towards your fantasy. Uh, fantasy I team. mean, yeah, yeah. Pops. Just... Uh, pops. <laughs> fantasy team. Not fantasy. Re- ready, relevant <laughs> to your fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I'll just look at it, uh, quick, Chris Olave. You know, I look at that situation with the Saints. And bro, you always trying to steal my thunder with the Saints, bro. What's up with you? You bro, know you you're don't not like the only, bro, you're bro, not the you only one that like can us. speak on the Saints, bro. No, bro, but you know you don't <laughs> like it. You, you know you don't like us. Hey, you know you don't like us. He keep lobbing it up and said, open it up for anybody to go for it. What did you say his no, so like kick it all the rent. You don't want to hear. It. He's a Rams fan. He do. He doesn't like the Lakers. He doesn't I, like the. I mean, I'm still sure. He doesn't you like the, Saints. Over the place. He's man. a Rams fan. He does not like the Saints. He's just doing this to spite me, bro. I know him. I'm no. I'm really not. I'm really not. I really love. Bro, you cannot. Bro, listen, bro. He's he gonna make you sweat this until Saturday bro, too. Until the. You cussed me out. Literally, you cussed me out yesterday because we got Tyron Matthew. I was really upset about that. But when I talk about <laughs> when I talk about fantasy and landing spots, though, I look at Chris Olave, right? And I I knew that was a guy the Rams had no shot at getting. I'm going right? next, Ramon. No shot at getting. <laughs> no shot at getting. But I look at that landing spot, and I look at a Saints team that's been really yearning, yearning for a wide receiver too, right? We've seen what – Jameis Winston did with the deep ball in his limited time last year after he got his LASIK surgery. And he was actually killing it in the game. He got hurt against the Bucks with the deep ball. Now you got one of the best deep ball threats in the draft who in the combine ran 
at first it was like showing in the four twos, you know. Then obviously the official time came out, it was more so in the four threes. Again, blazing speed and body control. I just love everything about the match. I think he I think he's gonna take a lot of pressure off of Michael Thomas. I don't even know what Michael Thomas, his contract situation, how he's gonna even come back from that ankle injury. You know, he we might be looking at already the wide receiver one in that team. You know, depending on how Michael Thomas come back, I really like the situation a lot. Again, it's going to take some time a little bit. But, again, I think long-term, if you're looking at Dynasty Leagues, I like that matchup. I really like them trading up. And when you trade up to get a guy, you don't trade up to get a guy that's just kind of like, eh, maybe we use him here and there. No, you gave up assets to go and get this guy, which shows, again, the usage is going to be there. All right. I'll go with Drake London. I feel like he's a great fantasy landing spot. Uh, Bro, you sound that. really down right now. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I was just about to say the same thing. So, well, I guess I'll do Drake London. <laughs> Can't get a listener's no energy at that. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, Drake London, he's landed. Calvin really suspended for the year for gambling. Um, I think that, you know, he's going to be a target monster and you tag him along with Pitts and um, the only thing that concerns me is the quarterback situation. Um, just, you know, you got Mariota there trying to revive his career. Uh, but, you know, they did uh, draft Ritter from uh, Cincinnati. So I think either way, I think that Drake London is uh, in, in store for a good target share there, uh, which as a fantasy uh, fantasy manager, you love a, t- a great target share. So I think that um, Drake London will be the guy. And, you know, I think he's ultimately a talent, obviously. And uh, he was number one on our mock draft list. So um, we obviously believe in him. And I think that's a good landing spot for him. Yeah. uh, I'm going to say I think that a great landing spot uh, was Alec Pierce going to the Colts. Um, I think that I'm just playing. I'm not going down that road. Hey, that's a good landing spot. I was riding with you, bro. I was like, man. Hey, hey Alec Pierce is one of my guys I mentioned. Hey, look. Hey, my draft hey bro, that's a good landing yeah, spot for I'm not, I'm not going home right here, though, man. I, I got to go with Traylon Burks, man. Uh, there are so many targets that are vacated in that offense, you know, with A.J. Brown leaving. Uh, also, too, you know, them getting Robert Woods, but that situation being shaky. Like, there's literally room for him to come in and be wide receiver one from day one. And so I think that, honestly, he can come in and assume all of those targets, basically, that A.J. Brown is vacating and can set himself up for a heck of a rookie year and several years to come. So I think that when we think of landing spots, uh, Traylon Burks has a, a, an ideal situation over there in Tennessee. Hey, any honoraries? Any honoraries? If Honorers, I mean, I think he mentioned Alec Pierce. You know, I like him a lot. We mentioned him as one of our sleepers. And, you know, you look at the Colts alone, just the size they added. They added a 6'7 tight end. You know, they added – they already got Michael Pittman over there. Then you add, again, a big size combo uh, in Alec Pierce. And, you know, you – Matt Ryan, he really has the weapons over there. And I didn't even mention Jonathan Taylor. You know what I'm saying? That, that workhorse there. So, again – you look at that, I like the Colts as a team that could uh, make some noise in the AFC, the tough kinda, AFC, that I is. I kind of like to hear y'all talk about the Colts. We can kind of keep this segment going for a little bit. <laughs> we can actually roll this one. Yeah, <laughs> I, actually, I actually had a sneaky good draft. You know, yeah. I, I, I peeped y'all game there, man. Yeah, 
What? How about Sky Moore though, man? Landing over there in Kansas City, you know. Bro, I was just about to say that. I was like, how did the NFL let that happen? Like, ultimately, a talented guy, a speedster guy, a, a, a pretty much what I call a Chiefs prototype of the type of receiver they like to target. Yeah, no, I, I thought that that was a heck of a landing spot right there. Um, I, yeah, no, I thought that was a heck of a landing spot. And then we already, I think, talked about a little bit about Christian Watson. Obviously, landing out there in Green Bay with just that opportunity. We know uh, Lazard, you know, being out there already. Uh, but other than that, between Lazard, Tunyon is coming back from his injury. We know that Valdez Scantling, uh, you know, left in the offseason. We know about the whole Devontae Adams trade and all of that good stuff. And so you look at that and there are targets that are available. You know, I know that they had two receivers that they took in this draft, but that's definitely – um, a possibility. I think he'll probably take any of the targets that Tanya was going to get this season. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, Tanya is pretty much irrelevant. I don't know why Lewis was just trying to <laughs> yeah. so high on Tanya. Yeah. He was so high on Tanya this year. <laughs> um, yeah, oh my God, Tanya. What I will, what I will say, I give my honorary with with the departure of Juju Smith Schuster and the Steelers able to replace him with George Pickens was huge. Uh, we we spoke about George Pickens and length on our previous podcast and the pre-draft uh, conversation that we had. And George Pickens was in our top five uh, receiver in his draft class. So for them to get a guy like George Pickens, that was pretty huge. Uh, we know what George Pickens is capable of coming out of Georgia. Um, I think that was huge for them to get him. Yeah. I think uh, one quick note as well, I know we kind of mentioned and alluded to it earlier, but I think the listeners need to know, of course, we got a dynasty draft coming up this weekend, man. We got you and Lowe sitting there with back-to-back picks sitting there at two and three. Uh, so a lot of discussions are being had with that. And I think that it's going to be interesting that when we record yeah. again, yeah. these listeners will be able to hear how our uh, rookie draft ends up going. Hey, look, I, I'm in full transparency. Me and Carlos are in trade talks. He has the number one, two, the number two pick in the draft. I had a number three pick. In the draft, and we're in trade talks right now. So uh, I think our trades will be just be based on how uh, what what the number one pick decides to do. I mean, if he decides to go a certain way, you may see some trade action there, man. Oh, so n- nothing involving me, right? Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. You keep your little done, Devontae Smith. <laughs> Even though he did pique my interest, but I was like, man. I- I'm straight. I, I can't give a first. I can't give a first pick in the first round for him. I, we, I like him a lot. But. We'll resume this conversation in um, December. We'll resume this conversation in December. I know I think he had like a little 100 catch season. <laughs> 100 catch. What, what about what? How many yards? 100 catch. 1200. You know. 1200. 1500 yard season. Eight, eight to ten touchdowns. Oh yeah. I mean. I, I like Devontae Smith. I do. I really do. But I feel like I can get him with a top three pick. I think I can, I may, I may be able to get his production and it's a chance I'm willing to take, you know, so that's just me, but yeah. So we're going to put a wrap on it, man. I think we did it again. You know, the PNA bench warmers, uh, just recapping the draft. This is a heavy draft episode. Hopefully that you like our analysis. Uh, of course you can reach out to us on all our social media handles. O underscore bench warmers, Twitter, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, if you're on Facebook, Opinionated Bench Warmers, just search that. You can get it. And uh, ultimately, what leads to our success is subscriptions and reviews. So if you are 
available to please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, we're on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just to name a few. Um, and just leave a review and, uh, you know, subscribe if you can. And uh, we're going to go ahead and get on out of here until next time. Later. Later. Later.